Welcome to the What She Said podcast. My name is Candace Sampson. I am currently in the middle of divorce proceedings, working towards my psychology degree, dating for the first time in 20 years, raising three teenage girls, a senior dog, and two guinea pigs. And in the middle of all this, I thought it would be a good time to buy the What She Said media property. What could possibly go wrong? I've been in the trenches with women across Canada for over a decade now, oversharing on the Yummy Mummy Club, Life in Pleasantville, and on all my social media pages, and I totally do it for the gram. And now I'm coming to you on the radio at 105.9 The Region and on this podcast. Apparently, I have a lot to say. So let's get rolling. When it comes to human development, we study the psychology of many stages of our growth. Infancy, childhood, adolescence, and even emerging adulthood. But get to midlife and the science and the discussion is a little less involved and can be sometimes downright dismissive. The midlife crisis has become a bit of a cliché and is considered more fabricated by some than as an actual developmental stage of the human experience. It's an area that I'm keenly interested in, considering that my midlife crisis, breakdown, awakening, whatever you want to call it, came to an explosive head a couple of years ago. I reached out to Teresa Albert to talk about her midlife shift, where she left a career in broadcast and her marriage, and chased after what she wanted, which is about as far removed from big city living as you can get. So meet Teresa Albert, owner of the Rosehurst Stratford Bed and Breakfast and Midlife Crisis Survivor. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I am great. Thank you, Candice. It's good to see you again. So I wanted to have you on the show because I feel uh, like you may have some wisdom to offer uh, women. Uh, So let's start at the beginning. Uh, let's start when you blew your life up. Uh, I did. And it's, I find it really funny because when I think back, we're talking five years ago, I think five or six years ago, everything changed. I moved to Stratford four years ago. Um, and now of course everything is changing again, but it was blowing up before I knew it was blowing up. And I think that's really important. I'm 54 now. I'll be 55 in September. When's my birthday? I mean, <laughs> um, I'll be 54 in September, but I really think it's kind of started around 48. Like, I, I honestly think hormones had a lot to do with it, but you don't know it when you're in it, right? Yeah, like I, think going- that's, I think that's the biggest, biggest message is, you know, we all hear about midlife crisis and things that happen in midlife, but when you are in the weeds, you are unaware that this is actually midlife. That's right. Yeah, totally. And that's totally what was happening for me, I think, because a lot of things change, right? I had one child. I was almost 30. Best thing that ever happened to me. Like, honestly, my life and blood and breath right now, truly. Um, And there's, you know, stuff to talk about there. She's moved out to Halifax, so we're very far apart. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't planning on having children. Like, it was not my thing. And I married a lovely, sweet man. And, you know, we had a baby very quickly which changed my life. And what I can see now is that there was this 20 year chunk of my life where I was being someone else to somebody else, to everybody else always for 20 years. So there's this parentheses around who you are. 
And what I think starts happening then is you start to be, it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like our teenagers, like, like the hormones are crazy again. You're all fired up. You're horny again. Like there's weird stuff that's going on and you don't know it. But what's happening is I think what was happening for me is it was me trying to come back, like trying to break that parentheses at the end of it. I'm not somebody's mother, sister, daughter. I'm Teresa and I get to be her again. When do I get to be her again? That might be different for somebody who planned to have kids and wanted to have kids and always, you know, that was their goal. But I think the same thing still happens. We, um, we perform these other roles, which are beautiful and, you know, all the good stuff. I'm not saying it's not good stuff. But you lose yourself. I agree with that. I think and it comes back. <laughs> I think there's that, that um, sacrifice that comes of your identity as you take on these roles um, as a wife and as a mother. And, and some, women, some women just breeze through this with, with the most beautiful ease and elegance, and they're wonderful. And, and, and then there's you and I. <laughs> and I loved it. Like, I loved it. I mean, my career that happened after I had Jamie was all about feeding children. Was like, I mean, I did the Food Network show. It was about feeding children. Like, for the kid who didn't plan on having kids, I was really all about the kids. Like it, so I loved it and it was cool. And I still had this other part of me who was growing and doing and being and all that. But that young teenager part that, that's starting to like the, the runway is running out and you start to see, these are the things I haven't done for me. These are the things that, you know, I've been doing sort of from external stimulus. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. And then the hormones go whirly gig. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Brene Brown has a wonderful essay on midlife that is one of my favorite reads ever about that sort of, you know, stop messing around. Like, you, you, you know, this is it. This is, this is the moment to take charge of all of these things that you've been delaying or putting off or avoiding uh, for so many years. Avoiding. Yeah. Avoiding is one of them because there's this external imperative to take care of another being so we end up avoiding um taking care of ourselves i think which feels really friggin selfish when you say it out loud yeah it does and and and, that, and it's it's actually accepting that you should be uh you know and and you know the, there's that expression you know put your life mask on first it sounds cliche, but it's, it's absolutely true because you can't be there for anybody else unless you're, you're helping yourself first. Yeah. So I found that when I made this leap, so I did, you know, um, marriage was fine. It was just not, um, when I look back now, I kind of feel like now he was a lovely guy, like really lovely, great dad, great, great, great. But I kind of feel like I was growing in one direction. He was growing in another, you know, classic tale. Um, but I didn't, wait for this to pass and I've kind of had to deal with the regret of that right. of the, I mean my life is awesome now I, awesome way better now it wouldn't have been the same but I do feel like you know all things being equal if I had just kind of taken a deep breath or known that it would pass um, it, it may have been different I may not have blown up my life glad I did my life is great now um, but I did. I kind of sold the, you know, the Toronto house. We split the finances and I bought the bed and breakfast in Stratford, which has allowed me to spend the time with myself 
um, be financially independent, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly terrifying, especially now. Um, Some of those things kept me in a place that wasn't perfect. For me. Yeah, I think I think that we do that, you know, you, you find a comfort level and you're afraid to walk away from that uh, because it provides that safety net. I know that in my instance, it was the same thing. And I tamped down a lot of emotion uh, for a long time. And unfortunately, in my circumstance, it sort of came out in this massive explosive moment where I just literally could not keep it in anymore. And so... My, it did become sort of blowing up my life. Uh, you know, looking back, I wish I had maybe approached it a little bit calmer. Yeah. Uh, but you, you can't change what happens. No, and you can't live with the regret. Right. So, you know, now, um, you know, now I run the bed and breakfast. And a lot of the things that, you know, we were talked about the, the planning of these things. I did not blow it up. I'm a type A middle child Virgo. So I did everything step by step by step, and I looked around at, at, at what my skills were. And I think if I were to pass this along to anyone, you know, in a current situation, you really, you know, we sort of think of life as growing like a tree, but it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, we have our roots, but we prune in a certain direction over time. And, and all that other, like I, you know, at, what, what was I, 45? I wasn't going back to medical school. Like that, that wasn't, I mean, I know you have, but but yeah, but my path, um, that, that path wasn't available to me anymore. That's the part that makes you move. What path is available to me now? So I did like, you know, when I was in food media, I was talking about, you know, being healthy and how to be healthy and, you know, yada, 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 all true. But I actually wasn't doing any of those things for myself. You know, we talk, we, we talk a lot. I talk a lot about teenagers and, and, and sort of this path they're on their prefrontal cortex is not developed. And that, you know, they instinctually are pushing back against, uh, you know, authority and they're looking for independence and testing new things. Do you think that midlife is unavoidable for women? Do you think those same things sort of happen for women? Yeah, I think it happens for men too. Oh, it does. Absolutely. I think it totally happens for men. I think, yeah, I think it is unavoidable because we do, we do go through life with a, you know, a series of realities that we tell ourselves. Um, and then the cognitive dissonance gets too loud and, you know, it, it blows up in, in different kinds of ways, affairs, um, addictions, um, you know, I'm traveling the world for two and a half years and I'll see you when I get, you know, like all kinds of different ways, but it, it does, um, it does change. It sure. Changes. Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, you have varying degrees of teen, um, things that happen. I think you have varying degrees of midlife, uh, crises or awakenings or however you want to call it. Um, you know, everybody has sort of a varying degree of that adjustment period. So some people are going to like seemingly float through it and, and be good. Uh, and others are, are not so much, but I think it's important for women to recognize, I think it's coming for you no matter what. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, I always said on every office I ever had, I had Robert Frost's poem, um, the road less traveled. And I lived my life with that. Like I lived my life with, you know, pick the hard one, do the thing that everybody else isn't doing. And I did really well. Like I had this TV career. I wrote two books. I did like, I'm proud of the work that I did, but it became, um, 
I don't know. It's like the goals were bigger than my soul. And I hate it when it rhymes, but really <laughs> like the goals, the, the drive, the be more, the fear of mediocrity, the, all of that kind of um, kept me on a path. It was okay. I loved it at the time, but then it just became exhausting. Like I was talking more about doing these things than actually doing them. I love that you said the fear of mediocrity. You know, I think that is a, a massive, massive part of problems in the world today. We live in this sphere, social media. Yeah, I got to have the best of everything. You're, you're showing your highlight reel. Um, our kids are under this pressure. Um, and I think we have to say it's okay. Like it's just to be okay normal. To be mediocre. <laughs> just be normal. Be average. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, for some reason it wasn't fine for me. I think parenting, I mean, you know, my father was a real, you know, kick him in the ass and get going. And you know, like he was yeah. that kind of guy. Um, so I, I don't know whether I took that on the daddy issue. Like, I don't know where it came from, but for sure. Uh, when I left Toronto, what the most important skill I need it. I mean, I live in a small town now of 35,000 people and I wanted to be where I was going to end up for the rest of my life a few years before I needed it. So before retirement, before to, to build community, because I had amazing friends in Toronto. I had amazing, I had an amazing life, but I couldn't, it was external. It was all so very external. And the key quality that I needed to bring with me when I moved to a small town was humble and in our world in our social media world in our broadcast world in our like everything that was surrounding you know the world that you and I met in was about not being humble like you have to be able to stick out your hand and you know give your two-minute elevator speech and you're like we are that's pounded into us mm -hmm. um, you know the seven habits of success and the what if I don't want to be successful? What if I don't want to be brave? Like I spent yesterday crying every half hour, just the, the weight of it all, you know, like just, ugh, I don't want to be, I just want to be humble and real. And yeah. And I think that it's letting go of that pressure to be, you know, the next superstar. You can just be, I'm quite content with my, my humble little podcast and, you know, talking to people and getting to know them. And, you know, every once in a while I'll get a message from somebody, you know, thank you for that. And, and that's really, that's all I yeah. really need. Yeah. And that's sort yeah. of come for me, the driving force. Yeah. And, until you need to monetize it, right. Until you need to, like, how do you earn a living? That became a part of my crux. And so for me, um, I was a nutritionist. Um, my broadcast skills are, pointless and useless here in, in what I do. Um, but I wanted to grow my own food. Um, I had studied hotel management, um, culinary management, all of that back in Toronto before, you know, before social media and before our world became what they are. So I kind of put that all together to create this bed and breakfast. And honestly, what I found is that, the, that, that for, for me right now, the most important skill, sorry, I'm shaking my table. Um, my most important skill is creating moments and memories for people. Like right. I don't have the highest thread count sheets. I don't have that. Now I do focus on the food and, you know, the communal gathering and the, sh and the sharing of ideas and the, you know, introducing people to each other. So the moderating that you're doing now, like that skill has come with me um, just to create an hour of, interest at breakfast time and you know 
make the awkward person feel comfortable and, you know, make the racist stop talking. And, you know, that kind of stuff came with me. Um, but none of the skills that I had um, in broadcast or in writing or in introducing myself or in thumping my chest mm -hmm. out of necessity to get the next gig, that is so inappropriate in this life. And I, I had one um, therapist once who, who said to me, well, the, you know, and we were talking about a different, like that was a skill that you needed, that hypervigilance got you through a childhood of, you know, rocky roads. Do you need it now? Is it a skill you need now to be always on alert for somebody to introduce yourself to or somebody to, you know, avoid or somebody to, yeah, oh my God, that was killing me. It was killing me to have to do that all the time. I don't need that skill now. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. You know, just because you've acquired a skill or learned a skill does not mean you need to keep that skill. If it doesn't serve you anymore, you can let it go. Yep. And there's a wonderful liberation, I think, as well, that comes with, with midlife and that, you know, it's scary and all those things. But you also have, have picked up all of these great things through your life and you get to pick and choose which ones are going to serve you best right now, right? Yep. Really yep. are going to help make you... Um, a full content person. Like I joke around and say that, you know, I figure by the time I'm 80, I'm going to have this living thing down pat. Yeah. I'm really going to have this all figured out. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, but I will tell you, uh, the 80 year olds I know will, will say, well, yeah, but no, because it's different when you're 80. Of course. Right. In our fifties, these skills work in our sixties. Those skills are required. You know, the body image stuff needed to go away for me. Like, you know, menopause just puts this weight on around the middle. And then I wasn't, you know, running and going to the gym and doing Pilates. Like I don't have that lean body that looks so, you know, appropriate in my old world. I have farm girl biceps now that can haul, you know, laundry up the stairs and, you know, dig in the garden. And I need to change my mind about what that looks like. Like, you know, I look in the mirror and I think, oh my God, you're so frumpy now. Oh my God, you would never have put up with this before. But actually it's the appropriate body now. Right. It's strong, it's reliable, it's, it, you know. And it's, it's healthy. And it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because a lot of times we're, you know, we're, we're striving for this, this perfect body, but it comes at a great risk to our, our health. Yeah. Uh, to, to get there and to maintain that. So uh, it's important to recognize that, you know, your body is exactly where it should be right now. And, and <laughs> well, just, it could have a little five or two. <laughs> well, the, we're, we are dealing as well with this quarantine 15. I've got a teen yeah. baker in the house right now who's like baking up a storm every day and try this mom and try that. So far I'm resisting because carbs are totally my downfall. Um, but yeah, like we're all struggling with this right now. Who knew we'd yeah. end up in this world? Well, and amazing. So, you know, if we back up and talk about the story of changing my life, like I remember saying to the realtor when I bought this place and I fell in love with the open space and the big kitchen and I'm actually in the dining room where I feed people, but I can see them and talk to them and, you know, manage the conversation. Like I fell in love with this place, uh, but I was looking for years, maybe a year and a half, almost two years at what bed and breakfasts were, you know, um, available, what was for sale, what, and the doing the market research, like what kind of business patterns were there? Like it's still a business plan. What kind of business pat patterns were there? I was looking at Prince Edward County. I was looking at Collingwood. So those things mattered. And I remember actually saying to him, 
Stratford, the Stratford Festival are number one, the kind of people I want to spend my time with. They're creative. They love theater. They, you know, there's that. It's a small town that has a hospital, you know, like all of those very practical things. Uh, Plus the business patterns are very reliable. Like it opens in March and it closes in November and, you know, geez, something crazy would have to happen to the whole world. (laughs) Imagine, what could that be? (laughs) Here we are. So, you know, as we sit right now, we don't know if there's going to be a festival season. Um, And and if there is, we don't know who's going to come. Uh, You know, yes, it's over 60-year-olds who come to the theater. So, again, I have to call upon that uh, faith in myself and in my inner child. There has been nothing yet that I have not been able to get myself out of. There has been nothing yet. So start there and then pivot. Like, can I rent this out as a whole house and just stay in one small space um, of the building? Like just, you know, there's a separate uh, independent room at the back. Um, Can I rent out the house and do that? Is there that kind of thing? Um, You know, I teach at the Stratford Chef School, so hopefully by September there'll be, you know, a little bit of income. But it's tamping down that fear of what does that look like and recognizing that, yeah, okay, I've gotten myself out of this kind of thing before. I mean, I can't even say I'll go, you know, sell beer at the pub because the pub's closed. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there's no, I am, it, it is... Like, and I don't qualify for a loan because I don't pay myself a salary, so I don't qualify for the loan. Like, there's all these little cracks that I could be drowning in fear, and some days I am. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm in the same situation. I, you know, I'm not eligible for CERB, and I can't get a business loan because I'm, in self, I'm self-employed, and I do contract work. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sort of in the same situation. And, and initially, when this first sort of, uh, hit there was that moment of sheer panic like what am I going to do because you I'm it I, I don't have a partner uh, you know I'm completely in this alone you know and I have my daughters are still in the house with me uh, so the, all of this stuff starts to but I think this resiliency that we build and in, in midlife and in this in this independent streak um, has served me well through this because even though I do have those moments of panic like you do and you know you break down and cry you, I've, I've come to accept that it's okay to have those moments of panic and let it wash over me. And then I dust myself off and I stand up and I go, okay, what next? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, I paint a room, I fix it. Like, and that was the other thing, the skills that I, you know, I came with, I'm a very handy person. Like I can paint and, you know, I change the thermostat by myself and I can put in a light fixture and I can tile. So I'm just doing something concrete every day to get through it right? Sure. Whatever that is. Um, which, which is burning calories, not baking them. <laughs> Cause that would be my other default. Like I'm just going to cook and eat and drink good wine and, you know, until the ship sinks, like what, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, I've come to, I've come to accept personally and for myself is I've come to accept it to embrace the things I can control. Uh, and so if that means, you know, cleaning the kitchen or vacuuming the house three times in a day or walking the dog as many times as possible, those are all controllables for me. Um, and to let go of the variables that I can't, uh, it's just, I can't do it. Yep. And so, um, again, I think that because of, for me being in midlife and I've sort of been in this fight or flight, uh, space for, for about 22 months now, it's actually, it's like I was in training for this pandemic a little bit. 
Yeah. It's funny. My daughter, who is, uh, she's working at Dalhousie, so she's way out in Halifax. And so we're going through this separately. And as I said, I have a single child. Um, but we were talking about the flight or fight, and she actually educated me. She, had, she has a psych degree, and now she's in human resources. But she said, you know, Mom, there is um, flight, fight, freeze, but there's also fawn. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things that, you know, like I just pander, and like that's what actually makes me feel better, uh, pander and cook and help and, and do you know, for others, which is actually um, useful for me. Um, but under the wrong uh, or in the wrong relationship, it can be very, very toxic right. where you end up pandering to someone who just keeps needing more and more and more, you know, abusing, like it can be taken for granted. So protecting that fawning element has been really important for me. And trust me, like there's nowhere to go. Like, isn't that interesting that there is no FOMO because there's no, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had somebody else say that to me today. Uh, actually, we're speaking about teenagers. I was speaking with Erica M about teenagers and she said, for the teens right now, there is no FOMO because there's no mo. There's literally, everybody's sort of in the same position. There's, it's not like we're missing out on anything. Nothing. Yeah. So that helps to just go, okay, the whole world is in the same place right now. And, you know, how, how we each come out of it is hopefully healthy, like, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically healthy. So have you had a moment during this where you've said to yourself, you know, when this is over, I will not return to this behavior or I will not return to this um, thing that I used to do? Here's what's interesting. Midlife actually kicked that crap out of me. I don't have any of those things anymore. Like I truly, truly, when I changed my life, got rid of all those things, which sounds very arrogant, but I am and have been in the zone for four years since I changed everything, which was terrifying to do. So it it means that I divested myself of a lot of that. I know, no, I haven't. Um, And somebody said, you know, boy, did we ever, there was something on Facebook with our our chums. Um, You know, remember going to events? Remember all those events? Didn't we take them for granted? No. I actually never did. I was each each time saying, "Wow, we're so privileged. We're this is so lucky to be able to do this and do it for a living and do it with friends and do it with." So no, um, I kicked a lot of those habits to the curb. The one thing that I utterly love that I had forgotten to um, appreciate is grocery shopping. See, and I I'm, I, I'm the complete opposite. I love that you said this. Because I used to go to the grocery store and it'd be like a therapeutic experience. I'd go up and down the grocery aisles and I'd take my time and I used to love it. Enable, this is oh, new. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then through all that, now grocery shopping has become very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah. yeah. I, can't, uh, I can't handle it. It's not a happy place. I find it really um, triggering for me. I feel trapped. I feel all kinds of stuff that I, that I used to be able to leave. Like I would leave the house when I felt those feelings and go to the grocery store or go to the farmer's market or go to, and now it's turned on its ear. So when things, and I can't wait to start planting, like I'm, that will, you know, watching the plants grow actually makes me feel um, more peaceful and I won't have to go to the grocery store as often. Um, But that uh, remembering to appreciate the entire food chain, the man in my life has just retired from dairy farming. So 
I have, you know, I thought I was a food expert, Candice. I, you know, talked about these things and how <laughs> managed systems worked. And I never had a British accent, but, <laughs> you know, and now I'm surrounded by farmers who are, I, I, it's a whole different world that I appreciate um, all the way along the food chain from the worrying about when we're going to plant from to the phrases of make hay while the sun shines. That means three days. Because you cut it one day, it dries on one side the next day, and then you turn it and it dries on the third. So make hay while the sun shines. It doesn't, isn't just about having a nice sunny day, la, la, la. That's the way I always saw it. It's about like being able to plan three days out and have a process. That changes your perspective of all kinds of, you know, phrasing. And anyway, um, being more appreciative of the farmers and the grocery store and the, and I thought I was, and now I truly am. And I think that North Americans, um, Canadians are really looking at their food sources and their food chain and where they get their food and how it all happens a little more carefully now and a little more gratefully. Well, I have to tell you every single person in my feed uh, right now in social media is planning a garden this summer. Yeah, yeah. One of that's going to be big for us. That's good for us. I it's think. It's great. Yeah. It's it's victory gardens. We're going back to wartime victory gardens. One of the um, organizations that I support is the uh, the local food center here, and um, it isn't just a you know a soup kitchen. It does the whole gamut from planting, you know, helping people do community gardens, showing them what to do with the food, you know, canning. Like it's a whole process from the ground up. So wholesome. Um, because we can, because we have the land, because we have the space, because we have the skills. And it's really critical. And it has boomed this year. Like, you know, we were all like, what do you mean community gardens aren't an essential service? Yeah. Of course they are. How are we going to get our food if we can't, like, these people can grow, all of us, these people, that was rude. Um, our community can grow for a, a hundredth of the price of what they can buy at the grocery store. Absolutely. So what are you kidding me? We're all broke. We're all, of course we need to plant. Of course we need to get people in there safely distanced. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was my first instinct that what, you know, and again, I have an organic garden in the backyard at Rosehurst. Like that's where I do everything because that was important to me then. It's really important to me now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think then, uh, you know, if, there, if there's anybody listening right now who's sort of, you know, in midlife, but unaware that they're in midlife, uh, is there any advice you would give them for this moment in time? Oh, yeah. Good question. Okay. I think we need to question our, um, our decisions. Like, I wish I had slowed down and said, huh, why am I feeling like this? Like, what, you know, go through the, like, the, the entire line. Um, you know, why am I so angry at my husband? Is this a real feeling, which is terrible. Like if someone said to you, are you on your period? You know, right. But I think we have to, like, I wish I had asked myself then. Is am this, I in midlife? <laughs> yeah. Is this a hormonal decision? Am I angry at this realistically? And at the time I felt like, oh, I've been putting up with it for 15 years. Like I can't, of course I got yeah. But now I kind of go, huh, with a little more sanguine postmenopausal thought, was I really that angry or was it, you know, 
was it triggered by hormones? And I think that's, I think you have to ask yourself that and slow down. And, and of course, if you're in a violent or abusive situation, get out, stop asking questions like, yes, it's bad, get out. But I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of wish we would slow down and ask ourselves, am I, you know, is this hormones? I had a girlfriend, one of my best friends from junior high, we've been friends since we were 12. And she moved to Montreal, she had three boys, um, married to a man, um, things changed. And as things are changing, she's crying and crying and crying. She's like, oh, I'm so sad. And I had to say, I think you're a couple years behind me in the hormones. Like, I remember just crying and crying. And is it real? Like, is, will you feel, did you feel this yesterday? What changed? Will you feel this tomorrow? Okay, then let's wait. Like, don't react. Don't react. Just take breath and wait. Yeah, that and I was, think... Just like, we, just like we accept that teenagers are not thinking rationally, uh, we, we need to, to accept that maybe we're not when midlife hits. And, and it, it is good to have a gut check to say, is this, is this midlife? Is this hormones? What is, what is driving this need for change in my life right now? And it doesn't invalidate the feeling. Like, no. you, you, yes, it is a very intense feeling. And maybe it just has been 15 years of this feeling. And it doesn't invalidate it. But it does give you another tool to question how you're going to change it. Right. It's that moment between the stimulus and the response. You know, you get to choose how you're going to respond to it when you're more aware of what's driving that stimulus. Yeah. And I didn't do that. And I think I'm a pretty mentally sound person. But it was actually after I moved here, I said to my daughter, um, you know, like I was reading, I think it was Brene Brown um, or, you know, something um, about that, that time in between, you know, the stimulus and the decision. Um, you, you need to ask yourself, is this going to make this situation better or worse? And this 22 or so year old at the time said, mom, who doesn't know that? And I was like, me, <laughs> nobody taught me that. Like, how can I, how did I get this far? And I never really realized that I don't have to react right now. Sometimes doing nothing is actually making a decision to yeah. do nothing and wait. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Isn't Thank it? You. So this has cool. been such a great conversation. I, I could probably go on forever. I, I want to have lots of conversations around midlife because I think it's, a, it's an area that we're ignoring um, for women in particular. But if people want to get in touch with you, yep. best place? Um, Google Rosehurst Stratford and it'll take you right to the B&B, which comes right to my cell phone. I've forwarded everything here. But yeah, I have, you know, I'm on Facebook at, uh, at Teresa Albert. Rosehurst Stratford has a page. So go take a look at that and send me, send me some likes. It's been quite a road building. A, when I bought this place, it was number 81 of 89 bed and breakfasts in Stratford on TripAdvisor. And it's now number 13. Amazing. So you, yeah, it is amazing. And it's hard work and you hope to stay there. But you know what, we can take all the help <laughs> we can get in small business right now. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you. My pleasure. Hi, 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.